Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech Asia Pacific series. As in Voice of Fintech podcast so far, here you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, corporate innovators, investors, ecosystem hub leaders from or close to the world of fintech. Asia Pacific series will be hosted by amazing hosts based in the region, speaking to the leaders from Asia Pacific. Here is another one hosted by Chia. Hi, welcome to the Voice of Fintech APAC edition with James Rong from Infina. My name is Chia, host of the Asia Pacific Voice of Fintech podcast and one of the early investors in Infina. And we're really, really glad for the opportunity to talk to James. Hi, James. It's great to have you. You've had a long career as an engineer, operator, investor, and now founder. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you passionate? Sure, Chia. Uh, thank you for the uh, invitation to be on here. It's an honor. And uh, as well, it's an honor to have uh, Saison Capital be our uh, investor. And uh, back to your question, a little bit about myself. I was born in Vietnam, but I grew up in the U.S. and had an engineering uh, career to start. Then in 2008, decided to uh, do something, something different, end up coming back to uh, Southeast Asia to join IDG Ventures. How that came about was uh, I was uh, selected as a Kaufman Fellows by the Kaufman Foundation. And basically, a Kaufman Fellows program is a program, it's, it's a, a sort of a formal way to get into venture capital in the U.S. or, or globally, for that matter. And, and we, we were matched with the different funds that was hiring. So I was matched with IDG. And we, we IDG had a $100 million fund in Vietnam, and, and I joined that fund as an investor. And I did that for about six years made for investment and actually, sorry, I, I made for investment in Vietnam and, and a couple of other ones actually in the region in Southeast Asia and basically exited three. Then I, we, we, we at that time, we, we basically still had a lot of money in the fund, not, not too many good companies to back compared to now. A lot has changed. I'd love to talk about that later, but uh, we, we all uh, are the other partners were very entrepreneurial, so we all decided to go off and, and do our own thing. And, and then I, I did a start and, and basically we were building co- content and community like a Reddit for, for Vietnam. And later on, it was acquired by Line Corporation, the, the chat app company that was listed in Japan. And uh, this is my second startup. It's basically the, the, uh, the sort of the genesis of this was I wanted to, to do something much more interesting than, than pushing for views and 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 uh, making uh, money from ads and uh, i think that basically empowering the retail investors basically democratizing finance is is a worthy goal and i want to spend sort of the next phase of my career to do that that's in a nutshell i don't want to ramble on too long got you no, James, I think it's yes, super, super humble. So maybe I'll, I'll highlight a couple of your experiences. You, you've been in the Vietnamese startup ecosystem for a long time. You were VP of investments at IVG Ventures, which, of course, was well known as one of the first pioneers in Southeast Asia VC since since 2008. And then, of course, being CEO uh, of a company that was then acquired. And so maybe one of the first things I'd love to dive into for our audience who might not be super familiar with Vietnam would be since 
all those times years ago, over 10 years ago, how, how has the ecosystem changed? What, what are some of the key milestones that you've seen? And what has you really excited about the Vietnamese ecosystem, especially since investing all the way back then? Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, when I came back in 2008, it was at the, the, the peak. 2006, Vietnam joined WTO. 2007, the smog. The stock market kind of went crazy, went through the roof, and uh, unfortunately, 2008, the, the you know U.S. financial crisis uh, happened, and that affected globally, and 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 basically that uh, that kind of dragged everything down for Vietnam as well. And we continue to invest. At that time, we we basically there, there was uh, still a lot of desktop kind of company a company you know basically build building for the web instead of mobile we we it was hard to find good companies some some sometime we end up having to do very early stage also even almost like venture building type we we get we see an attractive space we 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 put together different good founders that that in need of of, of co-founders and and then we say hey, you guys might want to think about getting into this space doing something like this so we 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 basically had to even get down to that level, that early stage super super early where we even have to form the team and, and all, all the way to okay there there's some companies that's getting some good traction so I'm a lot of users you know and, and we we would we would back them um then then the the the, the mobile and social kind of solo more I guess local social mobile basically are starting to be the the the, uh, the sort of the the, the changes and and then we we had to relook at the market again and say okay now let's let's figure out who uh, to back that that is now enabled by the smartphone and and, and the mobile kind of revolution and then of course the, the the companies that we backed before we had to push them hard to to to, to also get onto the mobile transformation and it's uh, later on we we even have the Yahoo story to to start telling people yeah you you better start to to be mobile first. Um, you know, so there, there was a lot of, of of that type of involvement. It was it was hard. Uh, it's it's and the, and the the founders. Some of them were really really good, but they are not as polished as as the founders that you can find now. And and even in terms of like their understanding of of venture capital and how how to work with VCs, basically was still was still very. Um, lacking now it's like uh, there's all this yc startup schools and all the stuff that they can read and people know safe like notes as as the way to go and, and all the ins and outs of how to 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 do around and all of that but before it was it wasn't that so there's a lot of hand holding there's a lot of guiding and, and, and things like that yeah so that that's how the ecosystem has changed and now we see a lot better qualities companies we see even management team wise but back in 2008 i was in my 30s i was born right after the war 1975 so a lot of people who were born right after the war that's a bit coming of age in, in that period of time are, are not as well basically train or, or groom to, 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 to take top positions in companies. They, they basically imagine like the war just ended. A lot of people even worry about at least for the next 10 years after the war, the, there's a lot of hardship, right? The last thing you, you, you worry about is, is how to put your kids to Harvard or, or U.S. school or things like that. But, but now the, the founders, uh, some of them are coming back. 
from very good schools in the U.S. Uh, or, or other places. Some of them grew up and, and go through their, their parents uh, really prepare them well. And, and of course, the, the companies that we backed up before also give birth to a lot of employees who, who, who really learn how to do startups and, and how, and, and so now there's just a lot more talent. And in, in terms of like how, how sophisticated these founders are, they, they're very sophisticated. So, so on the one hand, I'm very excited that it's, 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 it's really good for the, the Vietnamese ecosystem. Of course, you, you, you also have the attention now from a lot of investors looking into this market and, and taking a step back, like back in 2008, um, the, the, the fundamentals of, of the economy is not strong enough. And, and there, there's a spike up in 2007, but a lot of the fundamentals are not in place. But now, more than a decade later, when, when Vietnam is now basically proven in a lot of different uh, ways, that, that it, it really can be a Asian tiger. And, and I think I'm very positive that Vietnam is going to go through a very prosperous, really uninterrupted growth for the next decade. And I think that's great for the country. It's also great for the, the startup uh, ecosystem with all the, the big uh, unicorns popping up everywhere in, in, in Southeast Asia, as well as this couple in Vietnam. So, so all, all is looking good. Uh, and fundamentally also you know, with the talent, with, with, with a lot of the infrastructure in place as well. Got you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So it's it's really this journey up and down as you went through, as new themes emerged for Vietnam, as some of the macros improved over time, and 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 I think that brings us to a little bit about about where you are today, which is recently having built Infina. And so I'd be very curious to to dive a little bit more about Infina, which is the Robin Hood for Vietnam, and and how you decided to pursue this particular opportunity, how, how you got started, and and maybe if you could share a little bit about where you and Infina are today. Great, great. Yeah, I would, uh, would be happy to. So we, uh, as I mentioned before, we, we for, for me, I, I, I'm doing this the second time. I, wa- I wanted to have a bigger impact. And I've always was always very interested in doing something to empower the retail investors, the, the regular people, and in this case, the re- retail investors. It, it's something that the, the company name is called Real Stake. We we basically want the the, uh, the Vietnamese people to have a real stake in the economy, to have participation in its prosperity and its growth in the in the coming years. And that that has always been really the the deep motivation for what we do. But the, the, I guess the solution to get there, the, the, the means to that end has changed a little bit. We started out wanting to do fractional ownership uh, in real estate. Basically, Vietnamese people love real estate. They, they basically, there's three things that they invest in, basically gold, real estate, and, and buying US dollar. And, and real estate is, is, is too expensive for a lot of people. And, and the, or, or if, they, if they end up Taking a loan to to buy the mortgage uh, interest rate is is very high. The mortgage rate is really high. We're talking ten plus percent. So th- it's really uh, out of reach for retail investors. And so our thinking was let's let's really uh, fractionalize the ownership and and allow people to participate in, in, in basically that asset class, the real estate uh, asset class. That was a little bit 
too hard, I think, and, and too early for, for, for the market. Even in the US, we, we starting to only see now that people get excited again about fractional ownership from, from companies like, I forgot the name, but there was a company that was, was said to be the company that went from launch to uh, unicorn status in the fastest time, I think in, in like four months or five months. It's founded by ex-Zillow uh, founders, and they basically sell fractional ownership in second home. So, so the, I think um, fractional ownership Fraction ownership is the future. It's, it's inevitable, but it's it's too early for Vietnam. So we we did have some traction, but I wouldn't say that that we we had a product market fit, and it it was uh, it was tough. But we decided that we need a, a pivot and and basically expand the offering. The the mission is still the same. We are still wanting to to democratize finance investment and basically want to empower retail investors and and give them a real stake uh, in the economy and, and the prosperity of the country. And so what, what we did was to start to, to basically allow people to invest in things that's a lot easier, like certificate of deposits, CDs, or mutual funds, a lot easier, a lot more, uh, a lot safer than actually playing in the stock market and a lot easier to explain compared to fractional ownership in real estate. So so that's what we did. And we we basically did offer passive investing. And next step is uh, we also want to get into active investing. And, and that's why it's it's, uh, it's fitting to to just easily describe uh, what Infina is about. It's, it's, uh, we're really the Robin Hood of, of Vietnam. Or, or if you use a Indonesian analogy, it would be the Ajayib or a Chinese analogy with a futu. So we're just really joining the the movement to democratize investing and empower retail investor that, that started by Robinhood. And and uh, yeah, so that's where we are. We we have launched for roughly half a year now, and and that's so it's early, but we may we make great progress, and we're excited about the the future. Got it. No, thanks a lot for that background. And I think we, 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 what we've also seen at Saison is, is quite a lot of great feedback in terms of how customers have been seeding Infina and real market reception to a product like yours. And so you've mentioned similar business models across other markets. And I think it would seem that the Vietnamese consumer is, of course, very different from other markets. So I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the nuances that you've seen or you've recently discovered about consumer investment patterns, the Vietnamese market, and even regulations within the space? Yeah, so let, let me talk about behavior, I guess, consumer behavior first. Vietnam is a very young country, and it's the the... Our, our target customers are the millennials. They're very similar to other millennials in, in other markets. Surprisingly, people might think that a Vietnamese consumer could be quite different, but, but actually they, they are pretty similar to other millennials. There, there's obviously the, the mindset of, of YOLO, you only live once, focusing on just, just making a living, but also spending money for experiences rather than basically the typical, okay, let's, let's, let's not, let's not enjoy life and let's work, 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 work really hard as, as some previous generations mindsets are. Also, the in terms of the the products, uh, the, the digital products like like social media, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, etc., I, 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 their behavior 
the behavior on these platforms are also very similar. Of course, it's driven by the fact that these these platforms are so good at at basically becoming a, a like a, a Skinner box, like train dopamine inducing type of a device. It's it's so good that that in the morning you don't need caffeine anymore. You just turn on your phone and look at it for a while, and then you'll be awake. And and I think that that's actually very similar in in all all markets. And but but also Vietnamese consumers are very. Uh, a lot of them are early adopting in terms of their their behavior. They like to try new things. They like to try new apps. They they feel proud about knowing about some app that maybe their friends don't, and they 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 take pride in that. So so those those things are very similar to other millennials. And in terms of regulations, it also does seem very daunting, especially if you if you come into the market and and you start talking to 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 legal counsels. Obviously, if they tell you exactly how the law works, then there's a lot of things that you really is is hard to navigate. It seems, but I think the, the Vietnamese government is very progressive in the sense that they, they, they know that these type of businesses is going to be good for the country and, and they watch them closely, but also try to not be too much of a, of a barrier. And, and, and we see more and more of that. The, the government are trying to be uh, supportive of startups and, and, and especially fintech company as well. So I, I think those, those are the, the, the points that maybe people not understanding Vietnam could conclude differently. Got it. So it really does sound like it's a really interesting and exciting market to tackle in Vietnam. Although you do need to have a lot of the local knowledge and, and nuances to really be able to navigate it on the regulation side, especially for any players who, who might be entering Vietnam for the first time. Yeah, I think it's very similar to, say, China or Japan, where relationship, guanxi is, is wang he in, in Vietnamese, is, is very important. Uh, I think that's, that's true in, in most market and especially true in, in, the, in the Vietnam market. Got it. So maybe moving on to the day-to-day of Infina, I'd be super curious to know what have been one of the most surprising things you've learned while building. Sure, sure. There are a lot of surprising things, but I think uh, some of the top on the list would be, this is my second time having done also even uh, investing and then, and then doing a startup and advising other startups. It's still very hard <laughs> doing it a second time. I think startups are in general very hard. I think if they're easy, then then I think many people would have succeeded in it. A startup is a hard game. is is one that takes so much dedication, and even then doesn't always. And it, it's related to the second thing, which is which is about work life balance. And so there's absolutely no work life balance. Don't expect that. Expect to be fully consumed by it. But but also the what 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 surprised me is how quickly and easily you can abandon things that's really important to you like your loved one spouse and kids and 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 actually that that is something i think most founders will will will, will end up the, the sin that most founder would would commit and so what i what i discover after realizing that i'm i'm failing as a as a father and a and a husband that i i really should find a better way to to make it work so what what i found is trying to do work by work life balance doesn't work and so the the better strategy at least for me 
was to focus on on the prioritizing basically uh, family first. But then after things are going well with the family, the rest, like all of my waking hour can then be uh, spent on startup and it would be fine. But if you if you try to like try to do, oh, let, let me do eight hours startup and then try to squeeze in some family time but then you you your mind is already still in the startup and you try to play with your kid that doesn't happen but just just give your family what what is needed for us and and really spend good quality time with them being present and then after that then you can give everything to the startup the remaining time got you and then yeah that's that would be more a lot long lasting Got you. No, thanks. Thanks for the, the, that very honest view. It does require, as you said, being, being in the moment and, and, and trying to, to do your, to, to, to prioritize the family and before kind of uh, meeting the needs of, 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 of your commitments to the company, et cetera. And so it is, it is quite a tricky thing to, to, to maneuver, I would imagine. And hopefully it does get easier. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, so maybe last question, something that I think a lot of our audience, which are not from Vietnam and looking at the fintech scene, looking at the startup scene, given your experience as an investor, as a, as a, as a founder, repeat founder in Vietnam, I'd be curious about what are some of the largest gaps in the understanding that founders or VCs have when they look at Vietnam and maybe some of the things that they might otherwise overlook. And in terms of mental models, whether there are some geographies that you look to as uh, a comparable model or potentially even a, a, a model down the road for, for Vietnam in terms of the fintech ecosystem? Yeah, so let's go back to like basic. Vietnam is, is a, actually more similar to the East Asian countries like Japan, Korea, and China and, and the chopstick nation. And so I think an analogy, an aspiration model for Vietnam would be those countries uh, and more closer would be would be uh, China in terms of how I think Korea and Japan have, have developed a lot sooner. And so really it's in, in, in terms of tech, I think China would be a good model. I think a lot of VC also look to China to see which model works out and, and then and then and then see if there's something like that in Vietnam, like sort of social commerce, Pindodo is, is a big hit. And then a few good companies in Vietnam have been backed because of that, because of, of the success that they see in Pindodo. And, 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 then, and then seeing that it's very similar uh, for Vietnam and, and but that could work out. Yeah, and, and I think what is the biggest gap, biggest gap in, in terms of understanding about Vietnam is, is to to either either have a, a view uh, about i guess to a lot of a lot of investors that that are not familiar with the region of vietnam maybe sometimes the the, the first thing that comes to mind is 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 this a war torn country or that is it could be not a not a very open country or different thing different kind of misconception like that but but i think from from my experience vietnam is is a lot more opening a, a lot more progressive a lot and the, the 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 young people are a lot more talented than many people assume at first so one of the surprise things that you'll find also is that the developers the software developers in vietnam is is top top notch i think it's it's not uh 
biased to say that I think Vietnamese developers are the best in Southeast Asia. So, so there, there are those things that it's hard to realize until you spend enough time uh, in the market or understanding Vietnam. Got you. Thanks a lot, James. I think that that's 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 very helpful. It was really great to have you. Thank you so much for coming on board to talk a little bit about Infina and your experiences. And looking forward to really great things coming out from Infina. Thank you so much, Shia. The pleasure was all mine, and look forward to working with you guys at Saison Capital to keep pushing toward our mission to basically be the Robin Hood of Vietnam, but also to really empower retail investors and democratize finance and investing. Great. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, Please email us at info@voiceofintech.com. At Happy to hear from you. Thank you.